is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Going to the chapel and we're gonna get married. Going to the chapel and we're gonna get married. Gee, I really love you and we're gonna get married. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. My name is Anders Holmes and I'm joined by my brother Adam over Skype. Hello. Adam is looking tired. It's early for him. It's early. Again, my commitment to this show is... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, here yeah. I am. I'm, yeah. I'm... We've, we've, we've finally found a day where we've been able to do this episode, which we've been trying to sort of plan for months. But uh, yeah, it's been work uh, for both of us and just, yeah. Travel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a busy time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Adam's married, so he's got so much going on in his life. <laughs> yeah. 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 About the same as I did before, except I'm not trying to plan a wedding, which is helpful. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, it was a very nice wedding, just thinking about it. Yeah, you uh, you, you were a, a very kind and very uh, merciful best man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um yeah, in my speech I did throw in a few well, like we did talk about in the Deadwood episode, I did throw in a few movie references because I thought that would be... that's. If you hadn't done, I think people would have thought you were ill. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I started off by... Um, I started my speech off by doing the... I can't remember... I don't know the actor's name, but it's in The Princess Bride where it's like this... It's, it's the wedding. It's towards the end of the film, the third act. And there's like this grand wedding music in that classic fantasy kind of way, and it goes silent. And there's, you know, this British actor just, you, you think he's going to say something quite majestic and Shakespearean, and then he just goes, Mowage. <laughs> Mowage. I think half the room um, thought you were a lunatic, which they wouldn't have been wrong. Yeah, in. No, and no, the other no. half the room loved it. Yeah, um, I think. I think isn't, I, it, isn't it Spike Milligan? I think so. I'll look just, up. yeah, I'll look that really quickly. Have you been otherwise? Yeah, I've been. Uh, I've been good. Um, you know, it's been a nice. It's been a nice summer. Yeah, um, it's been a good summer. Yeah, I was in. Um, I was in Mallorca recently. That was good fun. Yeah. Very sunny. Very hot as well. It was like, I think it was like when we went into Palma for like day and a half. It was like thirty-seven degrees. It was just boiling. Yeah, we've had some. We've had some ridiculous weather here. Uh, the um, the humidity on occasion has been unbearable but mm. um last few last few weeks have been nice um yeah massachusetts in the summer can get really miserable and, and we're sort of in this in this little valley down by a river so it can get pretty swampy in our flat but we finally got an air conditioner Ooh, the problem nice. is with it it's one of those ones that it's like a standing unit and you turn it on it goes and it goes for you know um makes this huge amount of noise and um and then occasionally it blows a fuse and all the lights in the building go off. And so we have to go find the fuse box, turn everything back on again. And, um, and it's, and, and obviously, you know, it gets hot. So, um, yeah, it leaves a much to be desired, but thankfully now it's cool enough that we don't need to put any fans on or do anything at yeah. all. And, uh, soon it will be absolutely bloody freezing again. That's nice. Have you seen any yeah. uh, new films recently? Anything in particular? 
I've been watching a lot of good films, none of them um, particularly recent movies, but we've been... Um, I recently discovered Letterboxd. Yeah, so have I. I've, I. I have an account on there as well. Which is a wonderful service, which I recommend to everyone. I've been using it to try and track... <laughs> As many of the films I've seen, and I'm trying, I'm, and I'm, I'm using the cutoff point that I've seen since university. So, a lot of films I'd seen before that that I don't remember. So I, I try and put films on there that I have some kind of recollection of. Yeah. So that's the films that I watched multiple times as a child, and have, you know, I know backwards or films that I've seen, um, you know, since since graduate or since being at university, where I feel like I have a decent memory or a decent sense of what the film is and represents, and so I've been writing that. And I've got I've got over nine hundred films. I'm really pleased, but it's been really interesting for me to go back and sort of look at which decades and which years and which genres and so on that I'm particularly um, well versed in, which, which areas I have less yeah. um, sort of um, coverage of or whatever or I've seen less of, and. Um, and that's been sort of, and, and, and it's been really curious. So, and I don't know whether or not that's been part of this, but recently I started watching more films from the 1930s. I thought I'd seen hundreds of films in the 1930s, but it turned out I've only seen about, um, I don't know, you know, 20 odd or something, which I, I appreciate probably more than most people. But so I've been going back and watching a few old, um, a few older movies. I finally got around to watching 42nd Street, which you gave me on DVD years ago. And uh, which I can happily no, yeah. report is absolutely fantastic. And um, uh, we also uh, we also watched a couple of other uh, great ones recently, which I'll uh, which I'll recommend. Uh, one of them, um, uh, which is um, um, a film which we could we could in theory come up today because it's all about marriage. If it's not yeah. not necessarily about weddings, is uh, George Cukor's The Women, um, oh, which George is. Cukor. Uh, absolutely a feast of um, uh, of great performances and and and, and a really a genuinely very funny movie. Mm. Um, but that's the one where it's only female cast members, down to the point where even the dogs on the on the film are, uh, that are used in the film are female. Um, and it's um, you've got your you've got your Joan Fontaines and your Joan Crawfords and uh, oh Joan Crawford you know, uh, yeah it's a, it's it's a, 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 a um, it's just a fantastic film um, you know Rosalind Russell gives a comedic performance mm. for the ages it's absolutely brilliant really 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 worth watching mm. George Cukor did a film which also has a wedding that ends the film and that is the Philadelphia Story with Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn and James Stewart who won an Oscar for that film are we talking about weddings now or do you Oh yeah, but I was just you know just getting the ball rolling. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just I was just yeah, just yeah. We my... can get to Philadelphia story. Um, yeah. So what about you? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I've got, I've been, I've been sort of. Wait, I need, I need my list. Okay. Rustling paper. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been so because I've been really busy because I like in the beginning of the year I was doing a short movie and I didn't really have a chance to go to the cinema that much, and and also because I've been working in a restaurant so i haven't had the chance and the energy to go to the cinema as much but i have been so i've had a few days off where i've been sort of binging a few films and um i saw uh, john wick 3 which was amazing i had such a great time with that film like keanu reeves is just having like the best year of his life like yeah, what's happening with that why why is everyone suddenly obsessed with keanu reeves he's a famously terrible actor because he's like the most down-to-earth person of all time and he's just genuinely really? like really yeah the yeah down-to-earth he, person of all time he's like he 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 like like you can't go on the internet without seeing someone like telling a good story about like how much of a gentleman keanu reeves is like everyone kind of talks oh about like, how every time when he's at premieres and when he's taking photos with women he never puts his hand 
hands on them or anything like that. He always keeps. Oh, that's his... very good of him. Well, well done, Keanu. And when he was in New York on the uh, when he was in New York on the on the on the metro or something like that, uh, there was a pregnant woman standing up, and he offered his his seat to her. Oh, he should be given a medal. He should be, he should be knighted. <laughs> nah, but nah, but John Wick. Three... What is it obsessed with you? Normal people do that. Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? This amazing story when someone who's really rich and famous does something normal, does something vaguely human. So, oh, oh, he smiled at the Labrador. And he was the most down-to-earth person of all time. This person who has eight million houses and lives in a fucking swimming pool. Um, He's yeah. breathtaking. Leave him alone. Um, he is incredibly boring. Um, I tell you who isn't incredibly boring is uh, Nicolas Cage. And he went to go look for the Holy Grail. I, I suggest that you go and read the New York Times with Nicolas Cage, which is mind-blowing. Isn't it? Is it? I'll is, say. I'll say no. Is that the one where he goes looking for the Holy Grail? Like actual? Did you hear about that? He talks about. He talks about a lot of stuff, Andy. He talks about a lot of stuff, and okay. uh, it is. Uh, yeah, it's illuminating. Yeah. No, but no, I, I wanted to bring up John Wick three because in the Deadwood episode, I meant I said that uh, there's a horse-related death in one of the Deadwood episodes, and then we, I confused it by saying a horse. Yeah death on uh the tv show that david milch had uh, created called luck and it was cancelled because of horse deaths on that show and i confused it by saying horse related deaths and then you yeah the only reason i bring it up because a call back Wait, to that, that made it less confusing that little short circuit <laughs> that you just did yeah so in, that? That. so in john wick 3 there's a great moment in the film where i was like i laughed my head off and i was remembering of what we were talking about in that episode because there's a few horse related deaths in that in in one particular scene because um in john wick 3 john wick is i thought we'd left the phrase horse related death behind us <laughs> in john wick 3 john wick is a master assassin and he had and then in the beginning of this film he has like this whole this whole large network of assassins is out to get him and he's running through the streets of new york uh beautiful cinematography uh dan lauston a danish cinematographer who worked on uh all of bernadelle's night watch and guillermo del toro's movie the shape of water beautiful cinematography um <laughs> It's he, like listening to a fucking computer talking sometimes. <laughs> he runs into a stables uh, in New York, like the you know, with the horses and the carriages. Product placement, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to give him free advertising. Yeah, and, and he's being chased by assassins, and then Just like, say a like, shop. He runs into a shop. He's, fight, he's he fighting. <laughs> he's fighting around this a few horses with assassins, and there's many moments where he like smacks some horses, and then the horses like kick assassins in the head, and it it's. It's it's immensely entertaining, and I just I just it sounds, thought, it sounds camp. It's very it, it's so well shot. Like it just shows like this is how action film should be made. Like it's not in any way revolutionary, but it just shows like this is how you can make an action film that you can just you can just see the action and invest and ingest it and everything. I mean that's a good point because that's something that you don't and I get what you mean by that like you can actually get a sense of what's going because I've been trying to write I've been write, I've been writing a book a novel mm-hmm. trying to write a manuscript for a novel sorry that maybe one day we'll see the light of day who knows I doubt it but one of the things I've been struggling with is writing action and, and it's hard to make it how do you make action visualizable because action always like if you see violence in real life or if you see anything happening fast mm. it's very hard to actually discern what's going on that's why there are always multiple different accounts of things in in, in court cases and so it's, I think it's a real gift when people can put that on film and make it look um, comprehensible and, and you can ingest it as you say yeah i mean the choreography is just like amazing like it just like the first like 30 minutes of the film just 
never it just it just goes from like one action set piece to the next it's just it sounds it sounds exhausting it's it's really it's 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 very good and you know it's got ian mcshane lance lance reddick from uh the wire uh should have said it had ian mcshane in it now now i'm happy to watch i'll watch anything with ian mcshane yeah uh halle berry she's in it not as she's not in the movie as much as i want her to but she's really good in it and the history that she has with john wick her character is really interesting um I genuinely forgotten she existed. Yeah, she's been having like a sort of a mini comeback recently. Well, uh, good fact. I'm wondering what happened to Halle Berry a while ago. Yeah, um, there's a really cool action scene in Casablanca where her and John Wick like team up with like multiple like bad guys, Jesus and she Christ. has. Sorry about saying there's a really cool action scene in the film Casablanca. I was like, what the hell are you? Doing? Is this a deleted <laughs> scene of it? Play it again, Sam. <laughs> No, they, they, she um, she did a lot of training for this movie, and particularly with two German shepherds, which uh, are used in this action scene. So, but anyway, um, I saw the news. It's, it's, honestly, it sounds like a fever dream when you're talking about it. It just sounds like you woke up from a crazy dream. Yeah, I saw the new uh, Child's Play remake, which I thought was actually quite good, um, quite entertaining. I think it stands on its own, and uh, thought Mark Hamill as the as the doll who voices the doll, I thought was really just genius casting. Um, I saw Always Be My Maybe which is a rom-com which stars Ali Wong and Randall Park and they wrote the screenplay together and they went I think they went to university and they were part of some sort of comedy troupe Ali Wong she's a really funny um uh stand-up comic it was really 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 um really sweet film and has like a really charming ending which I I'm I'm I'll be happy to admit I'll, I'll I'll freely admit that it did make me tear up a little bit I thought it was really sweet as I always do Adam's shaking his head. And then I saw the new Spider-Man film. I saw Midsummer, which I just was... lost the words. <laughs> I saw Midsummer, the new Ari, uh, Ari Aster oh, film. Oh, I want to see that. I want to see that. Yeah, it's, I'm trying uh... to convince my wife to go see it, and yeah. um, she doesn't want to. It's, uh... I'm too scared to go see it on my own. It's, it's not frightening. It's just incredibly unsettling. I'll tell her that. But uh... I'll say, what I'll say is, you said it wasn't frightening. I won't tell her the last bit. And then and yeah. when we go... I'll be like, just before the film starts, I'll be like, oh, and just by the way, he said it was really unsettling. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, I was, I was, I posted about it on Snapchat, and one of my friends who lives in Australia, who's from Sweden, she like posted like saying that as a joke, like, be like, I don't think anyone's going to go to Sweden after this movie. And then I replied back, going, yeah, this movie's going to do for tourism in Sweden what Jaws did for going in the water. Moving on, <laughs> and <laughs> and. Uh, and <laughs> I don't think you need to worry about the New Yorker taking one as a cartoonist anytime soon. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> and the other film I watched was uh, a new film from Norway. Why do you got all these notes? Because I, no, I write like a rustling around. I wrote like I write my like films I've watched over over the year. Uh, and the other film I watched, uh, which I I saw Midsummer, and then I went to see uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which is uh, Guillermo del Toro's produced film, and it's directed by Andre o Overdal, who is a Norwegian director who directed the found footage film Troll Hunter, which I saw uh, recently. Oh, that's supposed to be really good, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite entertaining. It's it's. I mean. I think with a lot of those found footage films, I think when you've seen one, you've kind of seen them all and there's nothing really yeah. new and inventive that you can do with them. But I think it's quite fun and just the fact that it's just a it's it's called Troll Hunter and it has trolls and it just brings in like Scandinavian folklore. It's just it's it's kind of fun. But yeah. <laughs> put, put the car in reverse, there's an enormous troll coming out of the mountain. It's like one scene of the film. That's like... Welsh, not Norwegian, <laughs> <laughs> Is it 
there's a massive troll over there. <laughs> Get out your camera and film it. <laughs> it's just massive. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> and there uh, goes our Welsh audience. Um, yeah, yes. And also, I've been sort of uh, on TV as well. I saw Chernobyl, which was amazing. Probably like the best bit of television I've seen this year. So that's worth the hype, is it? Yeah, definitely. Right. I'll have to do another fucking free trial on HBO. Okay. And uh, I also watched the final season of Orange is the New Black, which I thought was pretty damn good and i think they ended the season really well and immensely satisfying unlike the dragon lady tv show well um we watched um we re-watched i should say the brideshead revisited from 1981 mm. which is a, just a stunning piece of television that's one of the greatest i mean i hesitate to even call it a period drama but that's what it is but it's so much more than that and if you think if you're one of those people who thinks downton abbey is the be all and end all then you need to First of all, you know, wake the fuck up. And second of all, um, watch this show because it is honestly an absolute masterpiece. It's not even the BBC, it's ICV. Mm. Um, and it's, um, you know, you've got your Jeremy Irons and you've got your Diana Quick and Claire Bloom and all these wonderful... And it's just, it's sumptuous. It's absolutely brilliant. The music, everything. It's, it's, it's what I've got to say, I think it's probably um, one of my favourite all-time miniseries. Mm. You haven't seen the new Tarantino film yet, have you? Because it's out in... No, no, I don't... Because I, I heard about the ending, and I thought, oh, that's stupid. I don't... Why does he do that? Why does he change history? Oh. I didn't know about the ending. Oh, doesn't matter. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean... Sorry. Spoiler alert. Well, quick, rewind. I'll just do like... I'll just do like... I'll just do like a Men in Black thing. Just erase my head. Uh, no, just not erase my head. Erase my memories. No, I'd like to erase your fucking head sometimes. Anyway... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, don't, I, uh, I guess like he did it with Inglorious Bastards. I guess he's going to do it with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Who knows? Yeah, I mean you you could probably see it. Coming. I won't tell you what it is, but I looked it. I looked it up because I saw something about it on Twitter, and then I got disappointed because I watched the trailer. And I will admit, I saw the trailer and I thought, hmm, that looks vaguely fun and interesting. And then I just, you know what? I just don't. I I looked at a few people who's opinions i trust and mm. i thought this is the film i'm gonna miss i'm gonna watch it on a plane probably and I'll, i'm sure it'll be very entertaining but i just don't know i just he's been so disappointing in the last the last few films he's made and he's been such a far cry from his previous self i mean he got a little bit closer in the hateful eight but even that just mm. is so disjointed and, and 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 ultimately kind of a bit dissatisfying like he's just He's just not who he was uh, when when he made. But we've talked about him enough times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a whole we have a whole episode on him. On, uh, yeah, on, you can, yeah, you can check, you can check out our uh, Quentin Tarantino special, which is on which is on Apple. I shouldn't say iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Is it um, is it still available to download? Yes, it is. It is. Well, go download then, you lazy fuckers, and do it. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm a Tarantino fan. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Just oh, really, well, I mean, just to kind of just see. <laughs> no, no, I mean, people know that. I mean, yeah. You're yeah, a yeah. No, I, I'm 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 excited to see it. I'm also excited to see Toy Story Four, which is coming out later this month. Why did they make that? That seems silly. The Toy Story Three ended so perfectly. I mean, oh, you know, I'm going to be annoyed about all these things with Lion King and and you know everything else. Like, it's just I was saying to someone the other day, it's like. It's like Disney are culture jamming their own content, you know. Yeah. It's like they're making they're, they're they're making it so that you can't, you know, 
people growing up now will have one Lion King in their head and people from our generation will have another. And it's like, what a, what a crazy situation. Why don't they just make a new movie? If they want to make a big CGI film about the, uh, you know, something or other, just, just create a new story. Mm. Well, I mean, it'd be so easy to do that. <laughs> the whole point about Disney is supposed to be all about imagination. Well, that's the thing I've been hearing a lot about the Disney re the sort of Disney reboots that they've done this year with Dumbo, Aladdin, and also with the new Lion King. Like everyone says, like, oh, they're really visually really interesting, but they just lack magic. That magic in the original films, like, yeah. like Dumbo. The I saw like fairly recently. I saw the original Dumbo film, and that is a fantastic oh, piece of work. That's and. Also, the greatest thing about the... Because I, I bought the Blu-rays with uh, my girlfriend, Felina, and we, 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 we like watching Disney films together, and they have these really interesting... Because you're five. Yes. Uh, we have these really inter <laughs> they have these really interesting behind-the-scenes where you look at the history of, of the film, but also like where Disney w was at, the, at that period in time when the film came out. And Dumbo came out during the Second World War and actually saved the studio when no one was actually going to the movies. So in, in some ways, it is a very important film in that regard, and also because of the way that new animation was being used and stuff like that. Well, it's that deleted scene where Dumbo kicks Goebbels' ass, but yeah. Um, <laughs> that yeah. Well then. Yeah. So the, what we've been talking about for a while, we wanted to do an episode where we talked about films that have like films that have marriages or weddings that are sort of part of like not like something that like oh a film is building up to a wedding, but like where a wedding yeah. has something. Folks, in... we're not going to talk about my big fat Greek wedding, okay? So just yeah, yeah we're not we're not going to talk about that. I tried watching that film, but I just never got into it. Like I tried watching it twice, and I never got into it. I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm well done trying it twice. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I think, so one film which came out in the early 70s, which has, you know, a wedding which starts off the entire film is The Godfather, part one. <laughs> I forgot about The Godfather. What it's not even on my list. Of course. Of course, The Godfather. Um, yes, the whole, the whole, they use the wedding as the, that is what starts every ball rolling that happens in the film begins yeah. at the wedding yeah you're, you're... every single narrative thread that gets followed in that film and arguably in the whole franchise starts with that wedding yeah exactly amazing you're in you're, you, you you're introduced to the family you're introduced to the godfather in the first scene with the cat and the guy saying i believe in america america's my home suspended a sentence <laughs> i doggy. and uh you don't even have the grace to call me Godfather. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah, I've, I've heard people do better. And they beat her oh. like an animal. <laughs> You're like a man. What's the matter with you? Oh, that's Johnny Fontaine. Yeah, Johnny Fontaine. Or Frank Sinatra, if you want to be cute. 
cute. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll get sued. Um, <laughs> but the um, yeah, well, no, but it's not just it's not just that they introduce all the characters and that they do that. They also introduce the major plot lines. They introduce Salazzo yeah. in that. You know, yeah. the, the, the idea of Salazzo comes up in that scene. The idea of oh no, that's actually later on. But but they introduce. I mean, the whole world gets introduced. Yeah. All Sonny's infidelity. You meet Barzini. I mean, you didn't. He didn't. I don't think he really says anything in that scene. But you see him, and you see he's kind of the way he's mm. sort of weirdly resentful of the Corleone. But sort of, it's unspoken. There's a lot of really subtle stuff going on. And if yeah. you watch it again, and if you know the film particularly well, as we obviously do, there's just so much like rewarding content, and it's a yeah. long, long scene. It's a really long scene. You kind of forget how long it really is. It almost takes up like, I would say, thirty minutes. Of the, yeah, it's about that, isn't it? Yeah, roughly like the first like thirty minutes of the movie, where you're introduced to Vito Corleone, introduced to his family, uh, Clemenza, like a bunch of people around of his inner circle. Um, they 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 sort of foreshadow some bad stuff that's going to come down the line, where they say like they don't want his daughter's new husband to be part of the family business, which is which leads into yeah, some yeah. bad oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more importantly, we're introduced to Al Pacino as Michael Corleone, where you meet him and Kay, played by Diane Keaton, where mm-hmm. he relays stories about how his father works in regards to the story about Johnny Fontaine and how Michael, at this point in the film, is very much... He's just come back from the war. You see him in his uniform and he says, that's not yeah. my, that, that's, that's my family, Kay, that's not me, where you, you sort of... You, you start him here quite innocent and happy and away from his family business, and then gradually by the end of the film, he becomes, you know, Don Corleone. But there's another film from the 1970s that sees this idea of a long wedding scene to start the movie, and it, and it, and it brings it up again. And it decides, no, we can do it better. They want a half-hour wedding scene, we're going to do one this whole fucking hour. Yeah, exactly. And that's the deer hunter. Yeah, Michael Cimino's just high point of his career, and then he did Heaven's Gate, and it all went... But the Deer Hunter, the whole the wedding scene, the Deer Hunter is famous because it is like mm. a third of the movie. Yeah, like it's it's a film and, in three acts. You have the first act, the wedding, second act, Vietnam, and then the third act, home from the war. Up. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's a it's a it's a brilliant piece of self indulgent filmmaking. I mean, they, they probably could have cut it down a bit. I mean, really, really? I don't know. You know. I think like those directors at that time, especially like Francis Ford Coppola, like he they he argued so much with the studio about how much stuff that he actually wanted like they were like we don't want marlon brando he's box office poison we don't want al pacino he's just tiny and all that sort of stuff like i think they tiny shouty man (laughs) tiny shouty man which you know technically is um so you know it's i think they i think a lot of people in that period of time especially when you read um easy riders raging bulls a lot of these directors were just sort of left to their own devices and their egos and I think at sort of the tail end of that generation, you did have like producers kind of stepping in and being like, this is how it's supposed to be done. And that's looked at a little bit in Down and Dirty Pictures, which looks at the birth of Miramax and the Weinsteins and Sundance and things like that, where like a lot of the times the Weinsteins did get their sort of Edward Scissorhands over a lot of films and kind of change them and things like that. Well, in the meantime, uh, Harvey was getting his uh, Edward Grophy hands all over uh, the... Um... Yeah. That, yeah. Allegedly, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a different story. But yeah, yeah no, they the, the, just an amazing movie. We shouldn't. I mean, I, I think the, the the wedding sequence is incredible. It just, I mean, yeah, it, you don't just sit down and watch that film casually because that's going to leave that's going to leave a mark. Yeah, it's uh, it's a film you really have to like. I know we we've done an episode about this already, but we like you really need to like prepare yourself for it because it is a very tough film, and also with just the wedding sequence, you 
you're introduced to the four main characters, one of which is John Cazelli, who was in five of, of you know five films in that period, which were yeah. nominated for Best Picture. Five films, all amazing. Then he died. Yeah, yeah. This was his last movie. Yeah, and he he nearly was kicked out of the film, but Robert De Niro fought to have him in the filming, and also Meryl Streep, who was in a relationship with him at the time, and they shot all of his scenes his scenes first. And he recently, I think is I think it was yesterday. It was his. It would have been his birthday. Yeah, that's right. So, happy birthday um, to him. But, but going, yeah. going back from the uh, 70s, I have a couple of uh, particular favorites that I want to talk about here. Um, for me, whenever I think of wedding movies, the first thing that pops into my head is High Society with Bing Crosby, Grace Kelly, mm. Frank Sinatra, and Celeste Holm, which is a, a, a wonderful musical comedy. And, and I think possibly Grace Kelly's last film before she went off to become Princess Grace of Monaco. Um, I actually haven't seen that version of oh, the film i've only seen i've only seen the philadelphia story which is like high society is like the musical version of the philadelphia story yeah now not to not to denigrate the philadelphia story in any way but high society is the one i always end up going for because mm. it's just so much fun it's uh it's set in newport rhode island and it, this over the opening sequences is is louis armstrong and his band on a bus uh singing the theme and louis armstrong's like playing himself in the movie and nice. um and there's just there's some of the great songs wonderful performances it zips along beautiful technicolor um it is <clears throat> it's an absolute treat philadelphia story of course as well is um is brilliant we love i mean the casting there again is, is, is fantastic james stewart won his only oscar for that movie which is kind of interesting when you think about all the all other, the other films, films he was yeah. in um but i think the center of that movie is the chemistry between Cary grant and Catherine hepburn which i think i think those two had a had had a crackle that almost hasn't been matched mm-hmm. in the history of uh, comedy did they ever do other films together, or was that just the? Yeah, fucking hell, bring you up, baby. Oh yeah, that's right. Stupid. That's a brilliant movie. Oh, that's a fantastic film. Yeah. And what? what any, any more on your list? I mean, um, for, the, for the time being, I'll throw two at you. Well, you throw I was just thinking. I was just thinking about bringing up Baby and the Tiger, and a tiger is related into another film, which is about a wedding. Was that a leopard? It was a leopard. That was... Oh, it was a leopard. Oh well. It... Yeah. Your whole thing. Your whole. Your whole point. Is okay. On. So it's, it's all a, flat. Um, Okay, a wild giant cat is also in another film, which has to do with a, a slight a wedding is, is sort of part of the film. It's, you know, main importance they have to get back for the wedding, and that is uh, Todd Phillips's The Hangover. Yeah, yes, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, yeah, we've got to talk about The Hangover. I mean, that that film is... Um, you could, Well, for a start, let's just say one thing. You couldn't make that film now. No, you couldn't. No. That is the difference between 2009 and 2019. There are jokes in that movie that you could not make in no. a movie that came out now. You could not do that film now, and you couldn't do the sequel. And with good reason, because there are very misogynistic jokes <laughs> and very racist jokes yeah. that get made in that film, But um, which obviously they explore even more in The Hangover 2, which is terrible. Um, you should watch Hangover 3, that's just terrible as I don't well think I, I don't think i will it's a film um, that it like isn't real it's like it's it, it, is this supposed to be funny like uh, but the hangover the original hangover is um for better or worse an incredibly funny movie yeah it is very funny and just it introduced us well, i mean bradley cooper was in films and tv shows before that but it it, it, it introduced him to a wider audience and things we're we're shifting the parameters here can i just mention another one from um, my era of filmmaking a little bit uh, yeah sure it's uh, 
bride of Frankenstein uh, ah. because I think that is one of the weddings that goes very the, the least well of all the weddings in the history of cinema because uh, five minutes after waking up uh, the whole building collapses on top of both bride and groom and everyone else we belong dead um, she is Elsa Lanchester was mm. is one of my favourite actresses from that era yeah. and she's so um, she's so brilliant in that part she's um, I believe she was married to Charles Lawton, who was gay. So I wonder, and I wonder to what extent she knew that or was his beard, so to speak, or whether there was something else going on. I've always been really curious about that, and I want to know more because they're in that wonderful film together, Witness for the Prosecution, which has nothing to do with marriage. So we'll go on from that. But um, Billy Wilder directed Witness for the Prosecution. Didn't that's he? right. Yeah, Tyrone yeah. Power and Marlene Dietrich in it. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah. Um, but that's, uh, I just thought I'd raise that because that's kind of yeah. fun. Uh, another film, actually, I guess that you could kind of put in as a corollary to um, The Hangover is Bridesmaids. Yeah, the what people called the female version of The Hangover. Yeah, what idiots call the female version of The Hangover. But, yeah, exactly. uh, what I call, um, yeah, Bridesmaids, which is another, it's another one of those early, what, like, what is it, like late noughties, early teens? I would teens say, I think it came out in 2011 or 2000. No, it came out in 2011, yeah. Right. And like The Hangover, it's sort of, it's it's funny how we've kind of moved on from that period now, but that both those films were sort of touchstones that have I, I must have had some kind of influence sort of moving forward. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Bridesmaid's main thing is that it introduced us all to the wonderful Melissa McCarthy, mm. who has been, you know, such a towering presence ever since. Yeah, um, she is really funny. I think they did over... I think, like, in a lot of the films that she was in afterwards, I don't think none of them were really as good as her role in in uh, Bridesmaids. But, yeah. No, she... And nothing she's done, even Bridesmaids included, matches how good she is as Sean Spicer on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, she was really funny. You but can... Bridesmaids, is a, it's, it's another one of those... Um, I, I mean, it's deeply silly, but I think it's what's wonderful about it is that it allows all these great, um, you know, for once, it allows the uh, women to be genuinely amusing in a mainstream yeah. Hollywood film. So, yeah, but, uh, and also just uh, The Hangover and Bridesmaids, it was just the chemistry of those actors that really made those films really work. Like, if you didn't have the, the right actors, you know, I mean, I think Bridesmaids works really well because Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph, they all kind of came up together in Saturday Night Live and things like that. But looking at The Hangover, like, you know, you have three very different types of actors in in one film and they generally do come across as just a very strong like group and they make that film very successful for what it is i think i think a lot of the success of that film is owed to the comedic sort of triple act of zach galifianakis ed helms and bradley cooper yeah and that make you sort of pepper in to the cast stand-up comedians and comic sketch yeah. artists as well as serious actors like well, serious actors like Bradley Cooper, but you know what I mean. You know, like mm. um, there is a there is a sort of mix of people which which helps create a certain, um, you know, it gives it gives the film different flavors. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, they're a lot of fun. I mean, let's not be let's not kid ourselves that they're not um, revolutionary films in any way, but they're, um, they're 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 brilliant for for what they set out to do, and certainly mm. made me laugh. Um, a film that made me laugh a bit less though is uh, American Pie Three: The Wedding. Yeah. That was when that franchise ended for me. Yeah. Did you ever see the fourth, the fourth one? Nope. You didn't no, watch, yeah. third one. I was like, you know what? This is this is now. Yeah. That's yeah. We're done. Yeah, they shouldn't do like an American Pie five. I think they've I think they've gotten to that point that 
I don't know where it feels like that sort of film just wouldn't I don't know wouldn't work anymore I don't know no I mean like as ever we should just remind people that there are lots of stories out there that have yet to be told and there are new comedies that have yet to be written go back and do one of those instead of a fifth version of a film starring people who are now in their 40s or 50s um yeah exactly yeah how old is Sean William Scott now I don't know I think he's in his like 40s or something like that look him up look him up okay um and I'll just mention another movie that I have on my list which is uh, in that same kind of era of uh, comedies that we were talking about before which is I Love You Man oh yeah that's really funny I, I like that With film Paul Rudd and uh, what's his Jason, name Jason Siegel from yeah. uh, How I Met Your Mother yeah which is a really charming movie I think yeah that's got some. It's that's got some. That's got a really good cast: Rashida Jones, J.K. Simmons, um, mm. Andy Samberg, Lou Ferrigno, and also, um, oh, what's his fucking name? Uh, John Favreau as well, who's hilarious as an angry husband <laughs> in that film. How how old is uh, Sean William Scott? He's forty two. Only forty two. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, so no. I mean that's uh, the. Um, the, 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 I think I Love You Man is, 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 is a very funny movie and um, and, and I think Jason Siegel does a wonderful job um, it has I think one of the great understated comic performances from J.K. Simmons who's I think despite his Oscar still kind of an underrated actor yeah um, he's so funny in that film and he doesn't really stay, do or say anything that's like overtly like a joke or slapstick or you know what I mean but he just the way he just eccentrically talks about his own situation versus that of his son and can, can constantly name checks this friend of his was it Hank Mardukas and uh, Hank Mardukas it's just yeah right, and it's just it's so it shouldn't work but it does because he's such a genius yeah uh, and, I think the, I think the uh, genius yeah, thing that, that is, that's a great performance I think the genius thing about that is that he plays it straight like he plays yes. it yeah. like and I think that's like the greatest comedy ever like we've talked about it in Midnight Run and like Get Shorty like just playing it really straight and serious and you just find the comedy out of it uh, speaking of serious uh, what about uh, Danish film If the Boiler After the Wedding yeah that is a very very that good a film serious movie yeah they've just remade it but they've done a gender swap of it what, remade it in Denmark or remade it? No, 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 they remade... Well, they've, Julianne Moore's husband... Julianne Moore plays in the film. So basically, like, it's Mass Mikkelsen, but it's a woman that comes to a wedding and finds out that her husband... Like, the woman, the man that she was with, his daughter is getting married. So they've done a gender swap, basically. And Julianne Moore plays the, the, the male... The female version of the guy who's dying in After the Wedding. That sounds like it's going to be not as good. Um... Hmm. But uh, After the Wedding is a great movie. Yeah, it's a really good film. Susanna Beer directed it. Really, really good. Has a really kind of yep. cool sort of little bit of a late Dogma 95 style with the sort of handheld cameras and you filming in actual locations and kind of gives it a just sort of melodrama style to it, which I think generally quite, quite works for that uh, type of film that they're making and what Denmark is pretty well known for and they're very good at doing those types of films. Yes, and mm. um, and I think the um, you know I think that that the, the the sort of the pre-Danish boom, if you know what I mean, is mm. is kind of refreshing in it because you have all these actors who, um, you know, it's pre-Borg and pre-the killing, all of that stuff. But yeah. you know, actors like Mass Mikkelsen and Caesar Babettusen before they became world famous are sort of just in their element, you know. And it is um, 
it's just a it's a real pleasure to uh, to watch it's also quite hard hitting it's it's um i think the realism of dogma gets you in ways that other movies don't you know yeah i the this there's a scene at the end of the movie i mean just spoiling it a little bit it's like the plot of the film is like mass Mikkelsen plays a doctor who works in india and he goes to denmark to meet with someone who's willing to open up to give him more money to keep his practice going where he is and then he's invited to the wedding where it's revealed his former fling is married to this man and and apparently his daughter is actually the one that's getting married which is like mind-blowing for him and then it's sort of revealed that this guy who invited him over is dying and he wants him to sort of be there for his daughter and stuff and there's that sort of moment at the end of the film where he just breaks down where he doesn't want to die and how he doesn't want his wife to sort of say planning all this sort of stuff while he's sick and everything like that yeah no, it's, it's really really, it's sad a really scene. devastating movie yeah. um but you know really worth really 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 worth watching mm. um so um i've also got on my little list here i mean we can't really not talk about it because i mean it's it's uh it's the first film we ever talked about on the podcast it's the searchers yeah <laughs> that's a it's a nice wedding considering no one got married where <laughs> um yeah i mean uh it that is a, that's one of the great um the great scenes in the film is is this uh, this wedding sequence which is both comic and tragic at the same time um, yeah and you know ken curtis nearly gets to marry uh vera miles Vera Miles, and then you know, and, and, and it's what well, it's pure. It's pure John Ford, isn't it? It's yeah. just John Ford in an absolute nutshell. And it, uh, but it has, um, even though it's a sort of, you know, it's a bit of comic relief. It ends with that very um, sad uh, statement by Vera Miles' character that actually, um, that you know, the the kidnapped woman should is better off dead because she's been, you know. Um, brainwashed ruined by the comanches or whatever and it's yeah. like um you know this this it, it speaks to the the sort of um it addresses the racism that the film is sort of constantly skirt, circling around and trying to speak about in its sort of limited vocabulary of the 1950s and it, it's mm. a really um it's an amazing moment i think that um and um and yeah and then you have the fist fight between ken curtis and and and, and um jeffrey jeffrey uh, yeah, Jeffrey Hunter, which is just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, also, but, but also, uh, I think they, the... they, it's like a nice little moment in the movie because the scenes sort of before that, they they find out that uh, Debbie is alive and they almost don't make it out at one point when they're being attacked mm. and John Wayne's Ethan Edwards has been w- wounded and they're in this like canyon area and he says he's left his uh, will o- over to him and then he says like he's missed out he's left out Debbie and stuff like that and then Jeffrey Hunter has that I hope you die and all <laughs> that moment and then it just just goes to the other side of the spectrum goes to the other side of the spectrum and then it just becomes this like happy scene and just adds a little bit of levity in, in a film that has just you know moments yeah. Yeah, the searches is a dark movie. If if they didn't yeah. have some levity, I mean, basically, the dance, the wedding sequence is what makes it a John Ford film and not an Anthony Mann film. You know, yeah, it nearly becomes an Anthony Mann film. Yeah, just a little um, bit. Another wedding that doesn't happen, of course, is uh, in the Graduate. Yeah, I was just thinking about the Graduate. Yeah, the scene of the uh, scene at the end where uh, he <laughs> they 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 spoof it so well in uh, the Simpsons. <laughs> they spoof it really well. 
<laughs> oh, Montgomery, you are the devil himself. Who told you? I mean, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, the, the, the. I love that scene in the graduate because it's sort of um, it's a bit of a Deus Ex Machina. Um, yeah, it's also. Um, I mean, what do you think of The Graduate? Is it a really good movie? What is it? Like, is it just the end of the 60s? You know, like, what, 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 what's The Graduate? How do we classify The Graduate? I, what rating do you give The Graduate? I I mean, I would say The Graduate... That's an interesting question. Uh, I would make... Because for, for me, Graduate's as much about mood and look as it is about plot. I mean, the plot of The Graduate is what? Bloke sleeps with woman next door, with Mills next door. Um, you know, uh, uh, falls they out of love with her pretty quickly, but falls for daughter. Uh, that relationship is is ruined, and then he yeah. disrupts the wedding at the end, and they run off. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's so. he's like, I think the whole movie is about being lost in some sea, yeah. like of. Consumerism and materialism. Uncertainty. Like, there's that great. Like, Mike Nichols was a fantastic director and really good at comedy. Like, there's just this giant close up of of uh, Benjamin Braddock, Dustin Hoffman's character, who was at the time a bit too old to play a twenty year old. Um, And his he's like sitting in front of a an aquarium, and I think it's supposed to symbolize how he's kind of stuck swimming around and drifting as he says in the film when he's like on in the pool and stuff like that so it's like and then at the end of the film when they when they're all like running away from the wedding him and elaine uh elaine robinson played by Catherine ross who's brilliant in uh butch casting the sundance kid um, and then they get into the bus and then they're all happy and they're elated and stuff like that but then there's like this real moment where they become really solemn and sad and it's for me even though he's gone through a huge change throughout the whole film by the end of the movie he's kind of ended up back where he started so the movie doesn't exactly have a happy ending it's like and they all lived happily yeah, ever i love that i love that ending because a lesser film would just have them giggling but actually the end it shows them being like oh fuck what now yeah exactly and i think um, and obviously obviously we should say the the soundtrack is astonishing yeah the Simon garfunkel is perfect yeah the, the scene of him drifting in the pool so the sound of silence is, is one of the great images of the 60s. Art Garfunkel worked as an actor in uh, Mike Nichols' film, which he did uh, in 1971, Carnal Knowledge, with uh, Jack Nicholson, which is also really, really quite... That's a, that's a pretty heavy film about relationships and things like that. Is it about marriage, though? No, it's not about marriage. We can't talk about that. Well, but we shouldn't of, talk about it. No, we shouldn't talk about it. Um, I feel like there's two films that we have to cover before we end. Yeah. Uh, one is obviously The Princess Bride. Yes. So, I mean, it's lit. Yeah, I mean, we're, have we done a podcast about The Princess Bride? No, we haven't done a podcast about The Princess Bride. Only about the one that No! Um, <laughs> Inconceivable! <laughs> You'll keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it does. Good luck um, storming the castle. <laughs> <laughs> we're close you bastard <laughs> he's not he's not nearly dead he's mostly dead <laughs> he said to play he didn't say true love he said to play 
My name, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Stop saying that. Right. Yes. Um. <laughs> hello, then. I can't do Andrew in the time. I wish I could. I can only doggy paddle. <laughs> okay. Um. Chris is mine. Brilliant film. Yeah. Let's um, do an episode about it. Yeah, we should. Um. Mark Knopfler, the soundtrack. Every time I think about The Princess Bride, I just that guitar, that is just really good. Really, really good, yeah. yeah. But I think, like, the whole film is just, like, because the whole movie, you know, it's a story being told to a sick child who's, you know, Fred Savage from uh, The Wonder Years. He's not, he's not sick, like, he's not dying. <laughs> he's not, it sounds like this is the last story told for a child dies. This has got, he's got the flu or something. Yeah, yeah, he's got the flu. Um, yeah, and it, it's like... Like Columbo, his it's, it's granddad is Peter Falk. Peter Falk, yeah. Um, was... it's great. You know, yeah. we'll talk about. I think we should talk about it more in depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the wedding sequence one of the great movies of the of the eighties, and it's certainly one of the one of my all time favorites. And and a big shout out to Ed, uh, my friend Ed, for introducing it to me when I was a teenager because we didn't actually watch it when we were kids, which we should have done. Yeah, I think I think Ed was actually quite happy that I mentioned, like I referenced that in the speech. He sort of he was a bit like, yeah, because <laughs> I I sort of noticed him kind of. He, he knew what I was making a reference to at, at I think the a wedding. lot of people did. Yeah. Um, it's a real touchstone for people. Um, mm. Speaking of which, another touchstone, uh, certainly for people in the UK, but I'm sure also abroad, is uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. Directed by Mike Newell and written by written by uh, Richard Curtis. Yeah. And introduced I mean, that, Hugh that Grant. That the, this, this, the, you know, this slew of films that got made thenceforth by you know this 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 production team of essentially you've got your you've got your ensemble cast somewhere in the middle of it is Hugh Grant and you've got um, yeah you know uh, the, the, the 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 brilliant you know Richard Curtis script um, not all those films are great uh, but you know we got Notting Hill and we got um, and we got you know Bridget Jones out of it but Four Weddings is the original and the best isn't it yeah I think. I, I mean, well, maybe Notting Hill is the best. But I think Notting, no, Notting for, Hill. I think Notting Hill does things better that, than Four Weddings and a Funeral. I just think the. I, I, I know. I for me, I think the chemistry at times between Hugh Grant and Anna McDowell isn't as strong as the chemistry between him and Julia Roberts. I don't know. Well, you know why that is? Because Andy McDowell can't act. Well, that's a different story for another time. Is um, it? Is it raining? I didn't notice. Yeah, fuck off. Um, <laughs> that is a terrible, the, um, terrible but the, line. But the whole, I mean, a... And also, why would you go for Andy McDowell over Kristen Scott Thomas? Like, I do not understand that. That could have. That, I keep thinking about that film, like in so many ways. That could have been like a real twist throughout the whole thing. Like, the best woman for you is the one right under your nose, and that's Kristen Scott Thomas. Yeah, um, and obviously the film is, you know, it's all about. Um, you know, it's it's it's, nice, it's just like white middle class people who live in a bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the only, um, and then the, the 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 gay relationship in the film has to kind of be hidden away. Like I don't get that. These are all supposed to be like cosmopolitan people in the nineties, and then when the um, when Simon Callow's character dies and and John Hannah's mourning for him, they're like, wow, those two were really in love. It's like, yeah, they were fucking. What do you come on? Um, yeah. So it's not aged well in that regard, but. Um, but it's yeah. a really charming and wonderful uh, picture all the same and, and screamingly funny in places. Yeah, the scene with Rowan Atkinson in the second wedding where <laughs> he's giving the the the, the vows and the, the he's uh, he's officiating it, I think is just comedy genius in so many ways. And the holy goat. 
and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And yeah. Um, do you uh, do you have any more? Um, just thinking. Um, yeah, I'll just yeah. Give me give me a second. I I think like there's some there's some TV uh, that do. That's not too TV. We're that... doing just movie. I've got I've got to get to work anyway. So if you, maybe we should just leave it there. I have just one Actually, more thing. No I no want no. To talk wait about. wait wait. The, the, I think there is a film. Could we talk like is La Caja Falls? Does that count? I mean that's to do nope. with. That doesn't really no, count. No, no, no. That's just that that the remake is about a wedding, but not the original. Oh, okay. I thought I thought I thought they did end with a wedding. Yeah. Not a lot of weddings happen on screen. And what about? I've not seen wedding crashes and stuff like that. Yeah, Ooh. wedding crashes is quite fun. Yeah, Bradley Cooper's in that as well. Um, that's kind of funny. And there's it? my best friend's wedding, which you know, whatever. I, I haven't seen my best friend's wedding, even though everyone it's, says it's fine. Yeah. Um, just trying to think. The wedding planner. There's a lot of bad films about weddings. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there's um, there's the Reese Witherspoon film, Sweet Home Alabama, where she's like, the, uh, to my point, <laughs> like there's this like she's about to get married and it's in the south and everyone like she's about to get married to the mayor's son of New York and then out of nowhere like in all these like wedding films like like if if you know if, if anyone should say like why these people should not be married please say now and then out of nowhere this divorce lawyer comes out and says like. Um, your divorce papers aren't weren't really properly signed because your husband signed the papers, but you didn't. And she's about to sign them with her, at that point, future husband, and she decides to not sign the papers. And then it just turns into this thing where she punches the mayor of New York, and then she's and then it's like Hallelujah, the South is risen again, and all that sort of stuff. And then she turns southern and goes like, I gotta go find me a husband. And then finds Josh Lucas, I think the guy's name is on a beach, and he's making ice he's making sculptures like he's putting pins in the ground to like attract lightning and he makes sculptures out of lightning and sand and then it's sort of like a callback to their this sound, sorry stop talking <laughs> this sounds insane <laughs> and also the south is risen again right speak of stuff that hasn't aged well um yeah yeah fucking reese witherspoon is like confederate revivalist okay great <laughs> um okay so i mean there's a lot of insane stuff that happens around weddings in movies but I, and yeah. i just want to talk about one final thing before we move on to birthdays um and there's a short film that was made uh, in the early 90s um what was that? some well-known artists um it is um a narrative of love and loss uh it's deeply moving um it is an incredibly um musical um uh exploration of uh, the human condition i refer of course uh to the november rain video by guns and roses Oh yeah, I have not heard that song or seen that music video but in you a can, very you long time. The music video. You remember the bloated mess that is the music video. Now, Guns N' Roses, just for context, when they first came out, they were like the, they were like the grungy underside of hair metal. Like they were the mean, smoking, yeah. drink, whiskey drinking, like druggy, emaciated, like pirates that were going to wash away all the Bon Jovi stuff. This is before Nirvana really were a thing, you know? Yeah. And then by the time, a few years later, they've got a full orchestra, uh, Axl Rose is trying to wear a John Lennon costume, and they are doing this, like, eight-minute song, 11-minute song, putting it to music, and um, it is completely bizarre. But, of course, I just think the most important part of it is that they start in one church, and then, of course, then then uh, they do the marriage, and it's all very amusing. And and then, uh, for no apparent reason, Slash walks outside. 
then they're in a different church. They're in the de- they're in the desert or something. <laughs> they're in the middle. They're in the middle of like the prairie or something in one of those old white churches, which which couldn't feasibly hold the congregation that's inside. So yeah. there's 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 a point. Yeah. And then he starts to play a guitar solo, and there's a, there's like a helicopter shot of him playing a guitar solo out in the middle of the uh pr- the the, the desert or whatever it is. <laughs> and I, I you know it's epic. It's bloated. It's ridiculous. Um, but his guitar isn't plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> so it wouldn't... I mean, I don't know who benefit that's for. Oh, I love... I miss music videos like that. I just... They don't well, make music videos like, like they there. used to. They just didn't, like, put so much care into those sort of things. It's like November Rain is, like, up there with, like, the weirdest music videos. Like, I don't know, I Would Do Anything for Love by Meatloaf, which, again, is also <laughs> just a mess. No, it's, that is a... That is a lunatic video. Anyway, we shouldn't go down that rabbit hole. Shall we do uh, birthdays and recommendations? Yeah, we should. last night actually um, I watched uh, Yozira Ozu's uh, silent movie from 1932 I was born but which is a film about uh, two young children uh, two young boys who are brothers navigating the sort of life in the suburbs that they've just moved there with their with their parents and they sort of they're, they're kind of figuring out the social dynamics between the other kids in the neighborhood and um, and they have this sort of existential crisis at the end where they realize that their dad isn't as important "Quote unquote," as as one of their friends' fathers, and mm. it's and it's very poignant, but it's also incredibly funny at parts. And um, the kids are just absolutely brilliant actors, not just the two main boys, but also their friends and stuff. And then there's um, there's this great technique that he uses throughout, where he sort of Ozu films from uh, the child's height, so you see everything, you know, from their perspective. Yeah, um, it's one of the best films about childhood I've seen in a long time. Um, so definitely check that out if you can. Mm. Um, actually, the film I'm going to recommend to you, um, which actually is kind of related to what we've been talking about, is it is a wedding film. Came out Ooh. in I think it came out in 2008. It was directed by the late great Jonathan Demi, who did Signs of the Lambs in Philadelphia. Yes, I know who Jonathan Demi is. Thank you. I was just saying it for people who who know who. Yeah, who don't know who that is. Um, but no, it's a film which is called Rachel Getting Married, which stars Anne Hathaway as a woman who has recently uh, just come out of rehab. She she has she was addicted to drugs. She's had a lot of problems. She comes to be with her family and her sister. Older sister's about to get married, and she's played by Elizabeth Reeser, I think. And there is some family drama that sort of just kind of boils under the surface of this, you know, this of this you know joyous occasion that's happening over this weekend like there's a lot of you know there's like there's a lot of like baggage underneath 
like this wedding and like how like the older sister just says like oh she's making it all about her and she's just kind of creating problems where she doesn't whether there's not there's there doesn't need to be anything and things like that it's a really oh, in fact it's creating problems where there don't need to be any is a feature of weddings taken from me yeah i think it's a really really good film and it's done in it, it, it's almost shot in a very dogma documentary <coughs> style like every shot is handheld and it makes you i think like the greatest thing about like there's a great scene where everyone's doing speeches and then Anne Hathaway's character she gets up and does a speech and it's you can just kind of feel like you're there and just feeling like uh, awkward and things like that no it's a really really good film and I think it's one of the films where I thought like Anne Hathaway can actually do a, can give really good decent performances and she was Oscar nominated for the film so yeah I remember it when it came out I never saw it but I'll, I'll try and check it out if you yeah think it's I, I thought it was a pretty good decent film and yeah I think not one of Jonathan Demme's best but I think he you know he made a pretty got some pretty good performances out of his actors so um who are we celebrating today uh birthdays now uh happy birthday to the winter soldier himself sebastian stan it's a marvel who? marvel cinematic universe character sebastian stan he plays bucky barnes who's the winter soldier bucky barnes he's, he's that sounds like a rodeo cowboy from the 1940s i'm bucky barnes <laughs> No, he's uh, he's Captain Steve Rogers' best friend who becomes... Who's Captain Steve Rogers? Captain America. Why did you call him Captain Steve Rogers? Because <laughs> well, he is a captain and Steve Rogers is his name, but his super... Yeah, but isn't he Captain America his name that most people recognise him by? I don't know who Steve Rogers is. It's just some bloke. Captain America is a guy with a shield. I've got, you know, I can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like, to be like... What, what's what's you know if you're gonna call them all by their real names like what's the silver surfer called like you know i don't Jeff know Parkhurst or something you know <laughs> i don't know oh sebastian stan he's actually in rachel getting married that's the <laughs> brings it all back yeah uh, it sounds like a town in russia sebastian stan yeah he play you know have you did you re you remember hot tub time machine I do remember Hot Tub Time Machine. That is an okay, fine movie. He's the he's the he's the dick um, ski guy in the film. Like who's like you know the one of those. He's the guy that watches. Oh yeah, the, yeah it's yeah. like the one when they're like skiing down. Like the character, like the main character skiing down. He's with his friend, and he's like, "What's that one board that guy's playing? Uh, going on?" And then Sebastian Stan's character Blaine goes, "I don't know, but it's going up his ass." Yeah. So yeah, that's him, and he was in Black Swan. Um, uh, what else? Ricky and the Flash, which is also another Jonathan Demme film. The Martian, Logan Lucky, which was Steven Soderbergh's film. I was Tony a decent filmography then. I Tonya, uh, Destroyer, which was directed by Karen Kusama, which stars Nicole Kidman, which came out fairly recently. So yeah, and he's he's going to be playing Bucky Barnes uh, with Anthony Mackie, who plays um, uh, the Falcon in the. TV show for Disney Plus, the new uh, app Disney Plus, which is basically the Netflix version, the Disney Netflix. So yeah, world's going to hell in a handbasket. Right, pretty much. Next, uh, happy birthday to the master of suspense himself, Alfred Hitchcock. It's Hitchcock's birthday. Ah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, what's your favorite Alfred Hitchcock film? North by Northwest. Mm. Uh, I think I don't know. I think my but top. The best one is probably Vertigo. Yeah, and if I, I had to pick another. To add to the mix, I'd say the lady vanishes, but that's those are so that's my holy trinity right there. But I mean, it's hard to pick. There, there's so many great films the man made. Mm, I think like, what about you? um, I would say Vertigo as well, um, Psycho, and Strangers on a Train. Oh yeah, Strangers on a Train. Mm. And then there's Rear Window. Rope. Oh, I've not seen Rope. 
It's a good film. It's really good. Mm. Dial in from over. I mean, Hitchcock, Hitchcock's incredible. I mean, is there, he's, it, 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 in terms of influence, I mean, Lord knows that guy. And just, I just, I love, I love these directors that, and there are very few of them really who've done about, I mean, I think Hitch, Hitchcock's easily done this number, but like 10 really good movies. Because that's really hard to do, because I think that's how, coming back to, we always come back to Tarantino, but you know, he set out to do like, I'm going to make 10 films and then retire. And obviously in his mind, they're all really good. Yeah. But like, think of directors who've made 10 really good films. There aren't that many of them. And Hitchcock just ch- just churned these things out. And yeah, yeah he, made a, he made some stinkers as well, especially later in his career. But, yeah, I think towards I mean, the end of his career, post-Psycho and post-Birds, I, I think some of them didn't quite hit the, the same mark. I think Family Plot with um, Bruce Dern is not a great film to end your illustrious career with. No, I mean, he probably carried on a bit too long, but I mean, it's in some ways it's good that he did. I think, you know, you've also, um, we don't have to remember, Notorious is in there. You've got um, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Rebecca. Secret Agent, Rebecca. Lifeboat. Lifeboat. That's a really good film. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a million of them. So real window. What, 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 what to catch a I can't thief. believe he's below Sebastian fucking Stan on the IMDb list. What a world are we living in? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next. Uh, happy birthday to Debbie Mazer, who um, has a very distinctive sort of New York accent. Been quite a lot of films. She was in Entourage, um, The Insider, Empire Records. She was in Goodfellas. She plays, um, I think, uh, Ray Liotta's Guma in that film. She was Sandy, the girl that helps him with his drug business and stuff like that. Oh, and who does she play in Empire Records? Uh, she plays the the singer. Steve Manning's uh no not what no is that Steve is that his name Rex oh, Manning Maxwell Caulfield's he's she's like he, she's like the guy's um like manager or something okay uh happy birthday to Roger Sterling himself John Slattery oh yeah please yeah his career's done well thanks to that show isn't it yeah great in um films like uh Spotlight mm. um I think like uh, I mean he, he was you know he 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 did like have a, like a sort of mini I mean he was like in films before Mad Men but Mad Men kind of put a name to a face a little bit but no he well, was it's just, you know there's these actors who toil away in obscurity and then a, t- a good t- a TV show will give them a boost I mean look at Alice and Janney and, yeah. and the West Wing for example yeah he's really good in one scene in Mike Nichols's uh, film Charlie Wilson's War which uh, which which was written by Aaron Zorkin and there's a great scene where he shares with the late great philip seymour hoffman which is just just so hilarious in my opinion <laughs> just those two actors like going out at each other and he did direct uh philip seymour hoffman in one of his last uh in one of his last films hmm. uh, which was uh oh what was it oh sorry you sorry, don't sorry. know the answer <laughs> i do i forgot oh god's pocket god's pocket right anyone else uh, happy birthday to Kevin Teague, who um, I would I would say oh, he, he's the bloke who, uh, from Geronimo, isn't he? He plays in, um, General Miles and that, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's the guy from Geronimo. He he starred in a lot of of, um, of Walter Hill's uh, films, like Forty Eight Hours, another Forty Eight Hours, and um, just trying to see what other ones he did. No, that's pretty much it. Oh, he was uncredited in The Graduate, <laughs> Showering Student. That's his first credit. <laughs> Um, he's in the West Wing as well. Is he? 
Yeah, he's in the episode of the Westman. Let me check. Oh yeah, on the day before from. Uh... Yeah, you, you check just to check I was right. Yeah, I know that. I, I, there's one thing I know about is the fucking Westman. Season three, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's he's still alive, still doing stuff. Not as not as much, but yeah, he's still still making themes. Uh, um, I am becoming painfully aware of the fact that I need to get in the shower and go to work soon, so we oh, need to rush through the next yes, few. Okay. Uh, happy birthday to Born Supremacy director Paul Greengrass. I saw him in a restaurant in London once with guess who? Richard Curtis. Oh, but didn't you yeah. also didn't you also see him filming Born Ultimatum because they couldn't shut down Waterloo Station? Yes, I did. I went. I was trying to buy a ticket to go um, to, to go and go, go, you know the great uh, network, the Southwest trains, and uh, I was like, "What is all this?" Because Waterloo's even more chaotic than normal. And then I look over and there's Matt Damon and um, and Paul Greengrass having a chat and looking at some rushes, um, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then the announcement came for the train, and I got on it. So that's my story. But yeah, I was there that day. Nice. Um, uh, another sort of other character actor, Brand, uh, Brandon Smith, uh, been in a few films like uh, Jeeves Creepers. I'm just thinking, was he in No Country for Old Men? Yes, he was in No Country for Old Men. He plays an INS official. I kind of confuse him a little bit with um, the guy who played the general in Red Alert 2. I think he played, he's also in, he's the guy, I think he's speaking with Tommy Lee Jones's character right after Josh Brolin's character gets killed. Like he's talking about the state of the world where he goes like oh the money and oh the... that that's ama- yeah that's kind of an amazing bit though. yeah the money and the drugs yeah that's such a good movie yeah fantastic film uh oh happy birthday to director joshua marston who did uh directed a film called maria full of grace which was um really really good film i actually would recommend that film as well really fantastic film about a colombian teenager who becomes a drug mule and goes to new york to deal drugs Really, really. Why do you never recommend anything uplifting? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> that does sound really good. I'll, I'll, I'll try and check that. <laughs> pleasure yeah well thank you very much for uh joining us on another episode of the homes movies podcast i'm not quite sure what the next film we're going to talk about i don't know what what, what do you want to talk about oh i don't know um another uh, western any any ideas uh, people can write in with requests can't they we've got an yeah. email address actually i was listening to a podcast recently about one film which made me actually want to watch the film again and i do want to talk about it and it is a western and it is a very good western you know I love talking about Westerns. Yeah, and I think it'd be quite a good film to talk about because I feel like there'd be a lot to discuss and sort of looking at the importance of it. And I think the film I would like to talk about, maybe not on the next episode, but on one episode in the future, that is uh, uh, Clint Eastwood's The Un- uh, Unforgiven. Oh, yeah. I would like to talk about that. Well, I feel like we've, I feel like we owe people more of a break from Westerns, though, because we gave yeah. them that huge bumper episode, like, less than a year ago but um i want to talk about unforgiven that's an incredible film mm. um 
Uh, we've still never done an episode about Night of the Hunter, and, I, and we've got Scary Movie Month coming up. Yeah, um, we do. And so I thought we could talk about that in, in for, for October. Yeah, talk about really obscure, scary films. Yeah, you can do that in your own time, but I want to talk about Night of the Hunter. <laughs> um, and if you call that obscure, I'm going to come through the screen and punch you in the face. Um, but yeah. The, um, but yeah, there's, there's that, and the, um, the, uh, there's another film I, I was thinking about the other day that we haven't covered, but... Um, oh, did we ever do Lawrence of Arabia? No. Yeah, you see, there's another one. Mm-hmm. So we got, we've got there's definitely stuff on the yeah. on the list. So yeah, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our podcast on SoundCloud, Podomatic, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I haven't quite checked, but I think I tried submitting our podcast to Spotify. I don't know if it's on there yet, but oh, we'll be on Spotify. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how long it takes. They they have the. Ooh. I did submit it through Pod- our Podomatic website, so I don't know if it's gone through or not. They could have just been like, no, or yes, I don't know. Yeah, but this is shit, I'm not putting it They on. just like listen to two seconds, and they were like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter, at HomesMoviesPod. You can also follow our blog on WordPress, which will be, which you, which will be linking in the episode description. You can follow me. It's, on- it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty um, generous to call it our blog these days. I don't think I've contributed anything for about a year. Uh, still time I don't yeah, know <laughs> I'll get to work on that yeah yeah. we can do like an in-depth uh, analysis of the November Rain music video <laughs> actually what I really want to do is write a piece about why people should watch movies from the 30s but yeah yeah um, true um, you can follow me on Twitter at Fabricius91 you can also follow me on Instagram AndersFHolmes91 and Adam is the Northampton Dane on Twitter yes and you also have Instagram as well uh, yes, my handle is adam.h.f.homes. Yeah. Yes. I posted a picture of a snake yesterday. I did see that snake. Mm, I saw it in real life, but then I thought everyone else would see it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, and you can also send us. What a stupid world we live in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went to go see a play, and there was a woman just holding her phone the entire time recording it. That's illegal. No, it wasn't. It was in. It was you like. Should have, al- you should have performed a citizen's arrest. It was. It was. It was it was like an opera festival kind of thing. It was done outside, so I can understand, but it was still, still illegal. It was still really weird just seeing just like you could enjoy it like now instead of looking at it on your phone on a really tiny screen and with bad audio. But anyway, that's different. Do you remember when we went to the Bruce Springsteen concert in the Olympic Park? Yes, in London. Yeah, and every time everyone held, there was this woman holding up an iPad, and every time she did it, someone threw biscuits at her from behind us. I think the same person threw biscuits at me when I tried to do the same thing as well. Good. <laughs> I want to. I'm just going to go around throwing biscuits at people. By, by biscuits, I mean ninja stars um, who do that. A constant or amount. darts or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I need to go to work, but yes. this is much more fun than doing that. So thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of us talking about uh, wedding films, and I hope you may you... now kiss the bride. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like man and wife, <laughs> man and wife. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I've been Anders Holmes. Yeah, I'll see you later. Have a good day. <laughs>